Tome of All Dooms, Season 2, Episode 9, Consent, Personal Pronouns, and Apologies. This is Jeff, but sadly we don't have any Lyran tonight, as I just couldn't get our schedules to align to do a recording. This podcast is way overdue, more than a week, and I wanted to get something out, so I figured I would just record something and throw it out there, and hopefully I'll have her back on the next episode. Satire is meant to ridicule power. If you are laughing at people who are hurting, it's not satire. It's bullying. Terry Pratchett. Onward to Collins. Hey, Jason here. This may be the first time I've called into your podcast. I enjoy listening to it. Just answering your question about campaign time limits. So on the Audio Dungeon Discord today, one thing we were talking about a little bit was Shadow of the Demon Lord. And that game system was designed around the idea of having short campaigns. 11-session campaigns. You start at zero level, and you level up each session. And then, you you know, so the whole system was built around that. The idea that your players don't have years to play a game. They might have two and a half months if you're playing, you know, every week. So, anyway, just thought I'd mention that. Talk to you later. So that was Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, although I think when he sent that in, as it's been sitting in my inbox for a while, he didn't have his podcast up. It is up now, and you should definitely be listening to it. Uh, Also, I had never heard of Shadow of the Demon Lord, and it turns out that just today, Pete over at Dragons Are Real dropped episode 26 of his podcast, which is a review of Shadow of the Demon Lord, so I plan on checking that out and encourage you to do the same. Hey, oh, Jeff and Liren, Shandy Andy here. Thought I'd send you a quick message just to let you know how much I enjoyed the player interviews that you did. It was very enlightening for someone like me. I'm, I'm much more an emergent uh, um, character player where I don't do much work creating a character at the front end and I sort of develop the character much more as he goes through and plays a game. So it was very enlightening listening to players who obviously spend a lot more time than I do thinking about their characters, putting together um, much better sort of backstories and a more concrete start to where they want to come from and also thinking through what, what, what they want their character to do. Um, it, was, it was excellent. Keep up the good work. So that is Shandy Andy of Unguarded Treasure, bracket B52. Uh, Thanks, Andy. I really appreciate the comments. I was surprised at how many people listened to those interviews. Uh, I was also really surprised by everything that my players told me, and it's uh, probably the most depth I've ever gotten into about characters with my players, and it was really helpful in me in setting up the game. So uh, I know not everybody gets a chance to do that, but I wholeheartedly endorse um, interviewing your players prior to the game uh, as much as you can to try to tease out from them what they're looking for in their characters and what kind of things they're interested in, because it can only make your game better.
What's up, Jeff and Liren? I had to call in for several reasons. The first, because it made me so sad you didn't have any call-ins for this episode. Liren sounded so, so sad. So I wanted to make sure that did not happen again. Secondly, I had to say that you are not senior citizens. Senior citizens doesn't even start till 65. And more importantly, it's a state of mind. The fact that you were gaming till 4 in the morning belies the fact that you are senior citizens. I also needed to call in because when Jeff mentioned the raft, I couldn't help but think, ooh, is that a Snow Crash reference? Because Snow Crash is one of the coolest books out there, and Hero Protagonist is the best-named protagonist in all of literature ever, period, game over the end. Thank you, Joe, of the Hindsightless and Wheel or Woe podcasts. You know, I hadn't thought about The Raft and Snow Crash for a really, really long time until you said that. And then I realized that pretty much all of my good ideas I've stolen from something that I've read or something that I've heard or some good idea on TV. Uh, over at the Runehammer podcast, which I think you have to be on the Patreon to get, but uh, he has an entire episode about how his warp shell setting uh, was all just a rehash of Chrono Trigger, and he didn't realize it until he had done uh, many, many, many hours of work on it and uh, went back and replayed some Chrono Trigger for some reason and realized that all of his ideas had come from, from that. But it, that's not a bad thing. I believe he calls it his creative basis or um, creative heritage. And that creative heritage is kind of what ties us together and makes us relatable. And then we get to put our own spin on things. And I think that's, that's where uh, the real creativity comes in. Uh, not everybody can think a thought the first time, but everybody can build on the, on the shoulders of giants, right? So normally here, I'd have a session recap done by Liren. Uh, we've had several sessions of the game since the last time I got a podcast out, but I'm going to leave that for her because she does it so much better than I do, and it's much more colorful and fun um, to have one of my players do it. And uh, so uh, expect that with the next episode. Instead, I think we're just going to head on into uh, the main comments that I had to make, which uh, should be brief. So, over at uh, MontyCookGames.com, Monty Cook has released a free 13-page PDF entitled Consent in Gaming. And I won't go through it all. I think um, Larry Hamilton over at Follow Me and Die did a, a great run-through of it, and the folks, the fine folks over at the Dice Are Screaming also did um, a review of that document. So I won't pull in all the particulars. I just wanted to say that it really resonated with me. Um, and consent to me boils down to respect. Uh, I respect my players. I hope they respect me. And in respecting them, I'm hoping uh, that I don't unduly hurt them or harm them in something that I say or do at the table. I don't want to cause any distress. And if you look at um, the previous episodes that I put up, I used the CATS system to describe the game, and the last two uh, it, of the CATS system are tone and subject matter. And one of the things that we discussed right off the bat was uh, subject matter in the um, 
uh, what we didn't want to see in the game, what people would have a problem with. And it's essentially the same thing that Monty Cook describes and has a full-page worksheet on that you can use to fill out, but it's much more formal in his document and well laid out. And, and I don't think having a list of um, off-the-table uh, topics really does anything um, except empower me as a GM to to avoid those things, but also to poke at other things, maybe harder, or make them more interesting. I run a very narrative-heavy game. I think that's kind of what my, my players expect. Sometimes I'm better at it than others. But I don't want to distress them, but I also want to challenge them and make them think. One of the things that's in the document that I wanted to bring up is uh, gender pronoun badges or ribbons, especially at four conventions. I've seen this a lot lately at conventions and I'm really uh, heartened by it. I think it's a great thing. Um, and here's my take on it. Uh, I don't wear a ribbon because I'm going to be suddenly mistaken as not an older male gamer who goes by he or him. I wear it to support the people that are there that may feel uncomfortable or who may not be represented um, by their outward appearance or their internal modality. Um, and I want them to feel accepted in my gaming space and know that they are included and respected there. So I hope that uh, that'll give you a little food for thought. If you're not a fan of uh, pronoun ribbons, uh, and just think about what it is that you want to put out to the, to the gaming community in general. Uh, I was bullied a lot as a kid. I don't want to bully anybody through um, action or inaction at this point in my life. Um, and I respect creative people who come to a con to play some games, throw some dice, and have some fun. Um, so there's my take on things. The last topic for tonight is about apologies, which is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, eventually, somebody at your table is going to get uh, hurt. Probably not intentionally, we hope not intentionally, but it's going to happen. Um, you might not even notice when it happens. I had an online game a couple years ago pretty much derail because somebody in the group uh, made an offensive comment about race. I was jamming the game, but I didn't hear the comment. I didn't catch it in in the moment. I'm sure I was looking something up or talking, um, but it was enough for one of the players to become really uncomfortable coming back for the next session. Um, and we didn't handle it very gracefully because I don't think it was expressed at the time uh, to me what, exactly what was going on, or I would have tried to be more forthcoming with it. Uh, and the game imploded soon afterwards. So that was kind of my wake-up call after I found out what happened uh, to make sure that communication happens and um, apologies are a super important part of that. So I just wanted to share a few thoughts on apologies. Feel free to call in and tell me what you think. Um, lately I've been thinking a lot about uh, something that I do when I apologize. I say something like, well, I'm sorry if you're upset. And that's really a weak apology. Um, it doesn't even really acknowledge that the person is upset. Uh, it certainly doesn't really express any remorse uh, that the person has upset or that you've hurt that person. It doesn't take responsibility and it doesn't make amends. 
and that's really what a good apology has. It, uh, it expresses remorse, it takes responsibility, and then it says, well, what can we do in the future to, to make things better? How can we fix it? Uh, I really hate apologizing because it sucks having to admit that you did something that hurt another human being. That's not a great feeling. And I'm trying hard to realize that the, that the times when you need to apologize, it's also a huge chance to mend those hurt feelings. It's a huge opportunity. Um, I know I get stuck in my head a lot uh, of thinking about, is the person who got hurt uh, justified in their hurt? And that's really a silly rabbit hole to go down. And I don't know why I, I head down that rabbit hole so often. Um, it's not, I'm not the one that gets to justify or to validate somebody else's hurt. They are. Uh, I can only know what hurts me or what doesn't hurt me. So when someone says uh, that they are hurt by me, I really need to look at that and understand that that's really them asking me to help them um, to heal from the hurt that I have caused them, whether or not I feel like it's justified or not. And that's not easy, and it's not simple, and it's something that I struggle with, um, but it certainly is a better path to go down than to just turtle into my feelings of um, they're not justified, so I don't have to pay attention to them, because that's, that's not a respectful way uh, to deal with people. Sometimes your scars have a lot less to do with where you have been and a lot more to do with where you are going. Robert M. Drake If you'd like to contact Jeff or Liren or Rosie, our pug, feel free to leave a message through the Anchor app. Hit the link in the show notes and leave an Anchor voice message on the web or email podcast at tomeofalldooms.com. Music is Space Harmony by purple-planet.com. <laughs>